we are continuing this morning in our series. Actually, no, we're, we're moving into a new series of words as we are continuing our overall uh, uh, year-long uh, theme. Man, I wanted to mix theme and series. Words are hard. Uh, year-long theme of words of life, important words in the Bible. Uh, this, this morning we're going to talk about righteousness, of course. And this is a transition after uh, we talked about a series of words about God and a series of words about truth. And, and this is a logical progression, right? Righteousness is both an aspect of God, but also a key purpose of truth. We see the righteousness of God revealed in his truth. And as, as we're going through these, these different series of words, we are going through them in a way that I hope is uh, logical as we progress from who God is to what God has said and, and why it matters. We're moving really now into the why does all of this matter? Now, this is especially true in this particular word, unfortunately. This is the first of the religious words that we're going to be going through in this series, especially in the New Testament. And, and just to give you a brief idea of what I'm talking about here, as we think about the original words that are used, we have righteousness. I'm not going to say that. You can see it up there. I guess I should say it for people listening. Uh, Dikaiosin, I don't know. Uh, righteousness, righteous slash just. And here's the difficulty. Sometimes your Bible is going to translate this word, dikaios, as righteous, and sometimes as just. But our English vocabulary does not have a word, I cannot righteous you. Like, I don't have a verb for that. I can't, I can't do that. I can make you righteous. But most of the time, the New Testament translators use justify, to justify or to be justified, which is the same root word. Dikaio or dikaioma, justification, righteousness, all of these things come from the same word. And I hate it so much that our English Bibles, just by the nature of English, have different words here. So every time you see in your Bible the word justified or to justify is to make righteous, to achieve a state of righteousness. So this is a little bit of a problem for English readers as we read the Bible, uh, that we miss this link, that what that God is all talking about one thing. The writers of the New Testament are all talking about one thing. When they talk about just and justified and righteous and righteousness, it's all the same thing. So today we're going to focus on what righteousness is. What is righteousness? And later, in a later series, we will discuss, I think it's going to be in about eight weeks, we're going to discuss how one becomes righteous or is justified. We're going to talk about the word justified or justification. But again, I really want to emphasize this is all the same thing from God's perspective. When, when the writers of the New Testament talk about these things, righteousness and justification, it is the same thing to become righteous. And so what is righteousness? First, of course, we must note the centrality, the key importance, the, the, the fundamental nature of righteousness in God's expectations for his people, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament as well. And we see this very early on in the teaching of Jesus, how important the righteousness of God is. In Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 520, which is really the theme verse of the whole Sermon on the Mount, the thesis statement, Matthew 520, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And then in 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Sermon on the Mount is essentially an explanation of righteousness. That's what Jesus is driving at in, in his first, well, first recorded, major sermon. I'm sure he did some other teaching that we're not told about, but the first major recorded sermon for us of Jesus' teaching is all about righteousness. What does it mean to be righteous? Well, a lot of that's the Beatitudes. And then he goes on to talk about, you've heard that it was said to those of old, this principle, but I say to you, this thing, that there is a new level of righteousness. And of course, we see the importance here, right? Unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, you, you can't enter the kingdom. If you're persecuted for righteousness sake, yours will be the kingdom of heaven. If you seek first his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. Jesus is of the utmost concerned with righteousness and people's righteousness. This, of course, was also true in the Old Testament. This is not a new thing. This is how God deals with his people. Deuteronomy 6, verse 20. When your son asks you in the time to come, and this is, of course, he's talking about they're about to enter into the land of Canaan, right? When your son asks you in the time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that our God has commanded you? You shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous. Have you ever thought about the signs of God as grievous? Causing grief? They caused grief to the Egyptians, that's for sure. Against Egypt and against Pharaoh and against all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land he swore to give our fathers. Again, they're about to go get the land and he's talking about in future generations. What are you going to say to your children? And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear our Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are to this day. And it will be righteousness for us if, if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Here's what's going to happen, right? Happens today too. It happens with all of our children. Why do we do all this stuff? At some point, kids always ask that, right? Why, why do we do all this? Why are we reading our Bible? Why are we going to church? Why, are we, why can't I just steal Johnny's lunch? Any number of things that kids ask. Why can't I just push him over? I don't know. Any number of things. Why are there so many rules? God knew that their children would ask. What's, what's the meaning of all these statutes and rules? And what did God tell them to say? Tell them that this is how we are righteous. This is how we achieve righteousness if we are careful to do all that God has commanded us. Which is what Jesus was saying in Matthew 5 through 7, right? Unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees. And then he tells them all the things that he expects them to do, expects us to do to be righteous. Romans 9.30, verses 10 through 10.4, as Paul is talking about righteousness, that the Gentiles, and really throughout Romans, talking about righteousness from both the Gentile and Jewish perspective, here he's talking about the Jews. Brothers, my heart's, my, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Jews is that they may be saved, for I bear witness, bear them witness, that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God. 
and seeking to establish their own, their own what? Their own righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And so let's answer the question, what is righteousness? What does that mean? It is a standard of morality, justice, and equity. One of the things, if you look up the word righteousness in your Bible dictionaries, dictionaries that talk about the Greek words, diakosine, equity, justice, and fairness, rightness. It is this standard of moral behavior a set of conduct and, and ways that we behave that accord with morality and justice and equity. That is what righteousness is. The question then becomes, of course, and this is what he's bringing out in this text, what's the standard? Who sets the standard? Where does the standard come from? Who gets to say what is righteous and who says that that's ridiculous and, and hogwash? Well, again, it's either God's standards set by his commands and his nature. That's one possibility. Or it's our own standard, set by culture and our nature, human nature. And of course, what is Paul saying here? They were ignorant of God's righteousness, his standard, his things that say this is good and this is bad. And they were seeking to establish their own righteousness, as we all in some ways do, don't we? We all, in some ways, reject God's standard and replace it with our own. And of course, as a whole, as a species, this is what we do. We supply our own standard of righteousness, our own set of behaviors and attitudes that will make us good and fair and right people. And we say that these are the things that you need to do, but we are ignorant of God's righteousness, his standard of behavior. And so when he said to the Israelites in Deuteronomy, if we do all the things that he has commanded us, it will be righteousness to us. When Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek what he says is good and right and just and fair. Romans 1, 16 through 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And, and this is, again, the theme of Romans, right? It's not just the Jews or the Gentiles, but to everyone who believes. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. How is God's righteousness revealed in the gospel if it reveals what? Reveals the standard of behavior and thinking that makes someone right. Of course, we see that in the life and teaching of Jesus, is what Keith was saying in, in our discussion before communion, right? He has set the standard. He lived it and showed us what it is to be righteous. He is the standard of righteousness that is revealed in the gospel. And yet we know, of course, that the righteous shall live by faith. Why? Because we understand that no one will ever truly live up to his standard. These things that God has commanded for us to do, we know that we are not righteous. Which is what he says in Romans 3 verse 9. What then? Are Jews any better off? Not at all, for we have already charged it all. Both Jews and Greeks are under sin as it is written. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Whatever Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Now this is a bit hyperbolic. We understand, right? Because some people do seek God, and yet we all turn aside. We all have become worthless. Because we cannot fit God's righteousness 
Verse 21 in the same chapter, now the righteousness of God had been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, for all who believe, there is no distinction, Jew or Greek, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift, are made righteous by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God put forward as a propitiation. You even know what that, what is that? Propitiation, a replacement, a substitute, a sacrifice, right? A propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, his fairness and morality and rightness showed what? That he knows we can't be perfect and so he has offered the sacrifice. He didn't just leave us to rot. He shows his own righteousness, his own goodness by sending Jesus. Because we fail and mess up. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be righteous and the one who makes righteous. Again, same word here, right? He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The first time this word appears, righteousness, if you just search in your Bibles, is in regards to Abraham, the father, of, we call him the father of faith. But he could be called the father of righteousness. We could call him that too. Genesis 15, 4 through 6. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven. This is God talking to Abraham, right? The number of the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. You will have this many offspring, Abraham. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Not an action, but a mindset. I believe that God will fulfill his promise. That's Abraham, right? And God counted it to him as righteousness. You are fitting the standard of right, fair, and just ethics because you believe my promises. Even as far back, God knew that works-based righteousness was impossible. Abraham was counted as righteous through his faith, and yet we also know that Abraham obeyed the Lord. What if he had not? If he had not obeyed the call to leave Ur of the Chaldeans, if he had not obeyed the Lord to offer his son, this would never have come to pass. This statement that he believed and it was counted to him as righteousness was only possible because Abraham had obeyed. And so, what is righteousness? A person is righteous to the degree that they conform to some sort of standard of fairness, justice, and morality. Right? That, that's what righteous is. How well do you conform to this standard of behavior? And of course, we're thinking about God's standard, not the way we think about morality, not the way that our culture thinks about morality, but God's standard of behavior. The way that we conform to his standard is the degree to which we are righteous. But our inability to fully conform, our inability to be perfectly righteous, doesn't mean we give up altogether, Right? It means that we trust that God will fulfill his promise to forgive the ways that we fail. That's the point of righteousness through faith in Jesus. That even though I'm not perfect, I am not righteous. I believe that God will make me righteous anyway through the sacrifice of his son. He will take what I have made impure and unholy and he will make it holy 
through the blood of Jesus. What we just remembered, the sacrifice that was made for us because we are not perfect and yet we still keep doing the best we can. Why? Because Jesus deserves it. Because God deserves our best. He deserves that I will do the best that I can to conform to his standard. And I do it out of gratitude, and I do it out of love because of what Jesus has done for me. Because Abraham has showed me the standard of righteousness to believe in God's promises, the promises of hope. And so I do the best that I can. Over the next few weeks, we'll see how God's righteousness, his standard of morality and goodness, forms the core of our problems. We're going to talk about sin and wrath, and ultimately leading into a discussion of the gospel. But the, the impetus of the Bible story is our inability to be righteous. Which God has solved through Jesus who was righteous, who is righteous, and who is wanting to give that righteousness to you and me. We'll end with Romans 6, 12-14. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body here and now. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. That is, do not just do whatever you want, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. For your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over us because of Jesus, right? Since you are not under law, but under grace. You have been forgiven for your sins. That doesn't just mean you get to do what you want, but what does it mean? Live as instruments of God's righteousness, that he can demonstrate his justice and fairness and equity through me. He can show the world how good he is because I am his instrument of righteousness, doing his will to show his goodness to the world. Even though I'm not perfect, I still do the best that I can. Which brings us back to the water. The means by which we can achieve that forgiveness. If I understand that I'm not perfect, if I'm willing to confess that unrighteousness and confess my need for Jesus, if I'm willing to forsake my own will to live for his will, even though I know I'm not going to do it perfect, I'm still going to do the best that I can to conform to his standard of righteousness, to be immersed in the water, to be united with that blood that we remembered in communion so that I can have righteousness even though I am not righteous. I can be made righteous through his blood. If you're ready, come while we stand and sing.